and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode number 30 of the Pack Heavy podcast. I'm kind of finding it a little bit hard to believe that I've actually got 30 recordings in the bank, but here we are, and um, we're about to get another one underway. So thank you all very much uh, for taking the time to download and consistently show your support by listening to the podcast. Um, I genuinely appreciate it. And on that note, um, last week I did put out a shout to uh, receive some feedback. So thank you all very much to those of you who uh, did take the time to email in and uh, provide me with some insight that I can use to further develop the show. On another note though, um, as the vast majority of you know, I am a business development manager for a company called Foodpack, which is located in Vancouver, BC. Uh, We do so much at Foodpack and, um, you know, we've been in business for well over 50 years, so we've got some great relationships with all of our vendors that we work with. Um, But we've got sort of two components of the business. Um, One side is the consumables, so the packaging, and the other side is the equipment. So when it comes to equipment, there's a lot that we can do to help you uh, within your business, uh, whether it's a vacuum chamber machine or a band sealer or a large capital um, piece of equipment that's central to your business uh, like a thermoformer or a tray sealer um, there's a lot to a conversation that I can help you with Um, when it comes to the consumables you know we've got a stock bag program that's huge and extensive we've got a warehouse full of bags that we can um, pick off the shelf and get straight into your hands Um, but the real value lies in moving people from a stock pouch into a customized and printed bag project and um, you know I love having conversations with clients just like you um, about their packaging and what you're exactly trying to achieve and uh, and particularly getting you into a fully customized printed bag project so if you're interested in furthering the conversation with me um, shoot me an email at hayden at the packheavypodcast.com another great way to get in touch with me is on LinkedIn and just DM me there or you can give me a call on my work cell, which is 604-360-6790. Now, today I have Erica Rankin, founder and CEO of Brodo joining me on the show. Launched in 2019, Brodo is a vegan cookie dough that contains plant-based protein and natural sweeteners and was created for consumers who prioritize their health and yet still want to enjoy a tasty treat without sacrificing their health or fitness goals. Now, Erica actually first came onto my radar a few months ago on LinkedIn when one of her famous TikTok posts actually came up on my feed. Um, And I actually really enjoyed watching it because what I found with Erica's post is that you really got to see some insight into the inner workings of her business. Now, I followed it, um, Erica, and honestly, ever since then, I've really enjoyed watching her business grow. And, um, you know, she's provided a ton of really insightful and genuine content. Actually, on episode 26 um, with Jenny Shaw from Social Wellness, Jenny and I both commented on Erica's content. So I actually decided to reach out to Erica to see if we could hear firsthand how she's gone about building her social media content and you know digital marketing strategy, particularly on LinkedIn and um, TikTok. And I really wanted to find out how it's helped to develop her brand and drive her direct sales. And Erica was kind enough to agree to come onto the show and here she is today. So Erica, welcome to the show. Hey Hayden, thanks for having me. No worries. How are things over in Ottawa? 
Things are great. Things are nice and sunny and the weather is hot. <laughs> starting to change. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, things are starting to shift over here in Vancouver. It's always pretty wet over here and we had quite a bit of rain overnight, but I can see right now that the sun's burning it all off. So it looks like it's going to be a nice day as well. Nice. Yeah. I need to get out that way one day. I've never been. You've never been out west? No, I have never been. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. You've got to get out here. There's so much to see and do. And um, as we were just chatting before we kicked off on the show, I'm from Australia, but my mum's a New Zealander. And so I've been to New Zealand a few times and I really find BC in particular to be a lot like New Zealand. It's sort of like a mini New Zealand all in one. So you've got like the ski hills, you've got the ocean all within arm's reach and all of the outdoor activities, but then you've also got the big city of Vancouver as well. So it's kind of really cool in that respect there's a lot of culture and food and and all of that over here which is awesome yeah it's like the perfect balance of everything yeah but it's damn expensive to live here (laughs) so yeah we pay for it that's for sure like real estate's insane right now rental prices are crazy and you know with all things said and done the salaries out here are really great but i'm not too sure if it offsets the living cost out here either so it is it is um we definitely all notice it on the bank account. That's for sure. But the trade-off is that you've got the beautiful views and you can get outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My wife is from Toronto. So I've been to Ontario a few times, but I've never been to Ottawa. How are things over there? Uh, I moved here actually right before I launched my business. So right. yeah, back, like right before the pandemic, basically. So I haven't really had the chance to fully enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Where are you originally from? Uh, I'm from a small town called Grimsby. It's about an hour out from Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I moved out of there just to kind of, um, I think I outgrew the town, yep. small town, 25,000 people, like born and raised, spent my whole life there. Um, yeah. I wanted to get the heck out and I tried Toronto for a little bit, but it felt too big for me at the time and I didn't it's... really have any friends there. So I chose Ottawa. Awesome. Yeah, it's a big city, that's for sure. So um, was it on a lake where you grew up like everywhere else in Ontario? Grimsby, Grimsby is nice. It's beautiful. Like yeah. it's, um, it's full of families or, um, like if, if people retire, that's usually kind of where they go. Yeah. Um, there's lots of wineries mm. and I love going home. I love visiting, but there's nothing really for you. If you're like a young professional, yeah. um, you have to always drive like half an hour one way or half an hour the other way to get anywhere. Got you. Um, so it's good if you want to save money. Yeah. You really have- <laughs> yeah yeah and have you found Ottawa like you've um have you found it to be a city that's conducive to you know slotting in and finding who you are and building a network out a little bit most of my community and like my friends are virtual believe mm. it or not um mm-hmm. I have a bunch of friends here that I love and they all most of them work for the government so yep. it's a little different I don't have yep. a big circle of in-person entrepreneur friends um but yeah, I've I've built out some friends here and I think I'm outgrowing Ottawa now and I'm actually moving to Toronto in a few months. Okay, what part of Toronto are you looking at? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, that's exciting. You know, like you mentioned before, Toronto is a huge city and uh, and I'm familiar with the sort of the, what would you call it, the eastern pocket of sort of where the Danforth is and um, that's where my sister-in-law has her family based and it is beautiful over there. And uh, I've never been to New York. Have you ever been to New York before? I have not. No, but like, you know, on Sesame Street where they've all got their little stoops and their like little brownstone buildings. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I reference New York to, like Sesame Street. But it's, uh, it's a little bit like that. You've got all your brownstone buildings and your green leafy streets and it's beautiful over there. So if, you're, if um, the Danforth is on your radar at all, I'd definitely check that out. 
Yeah, definitely noted. I'm starting to look now. So <laughs> awesome. So you've um you've got a BA in psychology and you've also got some experience as a research assistant. So tell us a little bit about your sort of educational history and and uh, where you sort of how that sort of has helped direct you in your um in your life at the moment. Honestly, yeah, my path is kind of weird. Um I kind of rushed into post-secondary, like I graduated high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I went through all these different phases where at one point I wanted to be a cop. And then at one point, like I had horses growing up and I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I learned about how much schooling you had to go through to to do that and how expensive schooling is. And then I, yeah, I immediately, um, yeah, abandoned that ship for sure. Um, So yeah, like my my cousin, he got his um, BA in psychology and then his PhD and has his own private practice. And I thought that was really cool. And I've always, loved like helping people and it's something that I've I'm just passionate about so I thought okay I can go to psychology there's so many different directions you can go in with that degree so even if I don't want to pursue um further schooling like my master's or my PhD and be a therapist or psychiatrist I can do something else with it Hmm. so I did that um did my four years graduated from that felt super lost super confused I got a job um working in research for about a year and a half. And as my contract was coming to an end, um, I was living at home again, super lost, like in my early twenties, kind of, yeah, I didn't know what direction I wanted to take my life really. So mm-hmm. I quit that job. Um, and I was also working at a bakery and doing personal training at the time and working crazy hours. So I quit that. And then I went home and I booked a trip to Thailand randomly one night. Um, mm-hmm. I have these like, yeah, impulsive waves that come and go. And that was one of them. And I remember booking it. And then a few days later, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Did I actually do that? Um, And it's too late. Like I couldn't cancel it. So I booked it. I ended up um, quitting my jobs and I went backpacking through Southeast Asia, was going to stay for one month, only paid for one month. And then I just fell in love with it and I didn't want to come home. And I stayed for Christmas. I stayed for my birthday and my parents were upset when I told them I wasn't coming home for the holidays, but I wanted to have a, a yeah, a, a Christmas in Asia and um, spend it with the people that I met there. So I ended up going from Thailand to Malaysia to Singapore to Indonesia. Um, and we finished in Bali. And throughout my time there, I met entrepreneurs from mm-hmm. all over the world with all different backgrounds, different ages, different um, like careers all different levels of education, some no education. And I think that just like opened my eyes to um, that lifestyle. Cause growing up in a really small town, you're not really exposed to it. I'm surrounded by like everyone who works the traditional nine to five life. My parents work it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never really knew that that was a viable path that I could take. So mm-hmm. I got home and I was like, damn, like these people are lo- like loving their lives, living their lives they don't necessarily have a BBA or experience in business or they're not insanely good with um, financials and all that. Cause that's Mm. why I, that's why it helped me. Like, that's why I never pursued my own business because I didn't think I was qualified. I didn't think I had the proper knowledge or ability Mm. to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But seeing people that literally had no education or background in business build successful businesses um, was inspiring to me. So yeah, I, after that trip, I just was inspired and I sat down on my mom's carpet and was putting ideas in my note in my phone and then came up with Brodo. And then uh, shortly after I launched it. 
Good for you. That's an incredible story. Yeah. Travel is an amazing opportunity to really find yourself and sort of figure out the direction that you want to move in your life. And uh, I've got a similar story in that 2007, I was managing a cafe and it was 24 hour trading and it was actually out at the Tullamarine airport in Melbourne. So I was seeing people coming and going all of the time. I'm like, I really want to get in on this. So I actually packed up everything in my life as well and came over to Canada to do a ski season. And I traveled over here by myself. And the one thing that I found about traveling by yourself is that you really have an opportunity to sort of learn who you are and, uh, you know, what you actually value in life. And, and it's a really great sort of, um, what would you call it experiment to see how you can actually like stand on your own two feet on the other side of the world. And so I can imagine that, yeah, you would have grown a heck of a lot throughout that period as well. So when you were meeting these entrepreneurs that were on the road, were they, did they have digital businesses or what were the kind of businesses that they were running? Kind of both. Um, like I met a lot of people that were kind of like nomads and they mm -hmm. had their own like marketing, um, I guess, agencies or mm -hmm. uh, like freelancing businesses. Yeah. And then I met some people who have like moving companies, like literally it's so random, so many random businesses. Um, and yeah, some were traveling and just working from their laptop and then some were just on a vacation for like yeah. a month or a few weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. Cool. Have you read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss? I have not. You've got to read this book. It's been around for a while and he's done a couple of updates and revisions of it, but he's also got his famous podcast as well, which I highly recommend listening to. But Tim's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, the premise of it is, is that once you find your muse or your business idea, you can test it using various methods. And he goes into a lot of detail in that. Um, but then it's all about getting out and uh, and living your life on the road and operating a business from your laptop and how you can you know do both at the same time. So it's really cool that you actually witness people living that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, it is really cool. And it gives me something to work towards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you made your way back, you put down some ideas laying on your mum's floor in the, uh, in the lounge room and then Brodo was born. Tell us what other ideas did you have um, tumbling around upstairs before you actually arrived at Brodo? I always, something food related, like that's something that I've always been extremely passionate about. Like in 2018, I competed in several bodybuilding competitions and um, I created an Instagram account just kind of for accountability purposes. And I would always take the recipes and the things that I made and post it and share it on there. And they would get a ton of attention and people would recreate my recipes and tag me. And it was really cool. And some people even asked if I would ever sell it. And uh, I guess that's kind of where I got the idea of making a business out of something that I created. Mm. Um, so cookie dough was actually one of my first ideas because in Canada, I kind of looked at the market um, and looked at like, the health and fitness category in terms of like protein bars and protein snacks. And we have chips, we have bars, we have um, like the ice creams, like the halo tops. We don't have a cookie dough that has added protein and that's vegan. So um, yeah, I kind of saw the need for that. And then um, yeah, it started brainstorming different names and then came to Brodo and yeah, that's how it was born. That's awesome. So when you were doing a bit of market research and analysis to sort of see what was out there, what form did that take like was it all just um research online or do you get out and talk to people as well or how did you build that information out 
like I guess in terms of like market research yeah on whether there you know you saw that there could be an opportunity to develop a, a healthier based food product you know specifically targeting you know bodybuilders and and people that were in the health and wellness industry so when you were looking I know there are really obvious products out there like smart sweets and they're killing it right now because they've got their yeah. um their version of a regular candy that's you know got its benefits but what else were you looking at out there and how did you conduct that research honestly I'm the biggest foodie ever and I would go to grocery stores and just yeah. look and see what was in there um like I'm the type of person who like if I want to know something I'm gonna go and like seek it and mm -hmm. like find it even now like I always go and I kind of look at my category and see kind of where I fit in and stuff so yeah just going in person seeing what's available um like kind of figuring out what i like because i'm pretty much my ideal customer mm -hmm. um and i think that's why i am so good at branding and marketing because i kind of know who i'm going after because i'm the person who would yeah. buy my product yeah um but yeah that's awesome so um tell us a little bit about how you actually got the wheels in motion so tell us about you know actually getting started with the production and getting it into your consumer's hands for the first time and getting some feedback. Oh my goodness. Lots of trial and error. Honestly. Um, I, yeah, like I, I made the product and had the finalized formula, like in the summer of 2019, I think like August. And uh, I sat on it for months cause I was so scared and I had like my Shopify store ready. Like I super scrappy did everything myself. Um, yeah, I moved to a new city and I just literally researched um, commercial kitchens near me that you can rent by the hour. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, yeah, like I just got my food handler certification, um, talked to the owner of this kitchen, went in, um, like my first day was the biggest mess ever because it was kind of like trying to figure out how much can fit in the mixer and how I'm going to seal things and where I'm going to put it. And for the first few months, I actually stored the product in my car and I drove around with the heat off for like most of the winter because I couldn't <laughs> you can do that in a <laughs> yeah yeah so that's yeah kind of how I operated and I remember sitting like in my front seat and I would pick and pack boxes and then I would drive to Canada Post and drop them off um, my car was kind of like my workstation and I had a roommate at the time so we I couldn't really fit it in the fridge like in our in our apartment yeah um, and I couldn't even like put it on the balcony either because they were um, renovating it and locked our door. So I just I had to put it in my car. <laughs> There's yeah. nowhere else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I just, yeah, like sending it to, I remember the first month, I think I did like 17 or 18 jars like shipped out or something like that. Something mm -hmm. really low. Um, and a lot of them were going to my friends and family. So it didn't really feel like it counted. I felt like they were um, just buying it to like support me and um, I wanted someone who didn't know me to buy it. And when that order came through and then I had like an actual review, it was like the coolest moment ever, but it was the most stressful moment too. Cause I'm like packaging this. I'm like, someone's actually giving me their hard earned money and they don't know me and they want this product. So I hope they like it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like that's kind of how the ball got rolling. And then I just continued operating like that. And then as the business grew, then I bought like a freezer and then I had the freezer in my living room and I store the product there. And yeah, it's kind of how it all came about. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned at the start of the podcast that your, um, the content that you've been generating and, and feeding out into the world, be it on LinkedIn or Instagram or TikTok really is the background story of Brodo and, you know, the inner workings of it. And you take everybody along for the ride on it. And I reckon that's really cool. And, uh, and it's so honest and genuine as well. I feel as if, you know, um, 
you know, you're just throwing content out there. Did you have an idea as to sort of how you wanted to sort of build out Brodo and leading with a digital content strategy? Is that sort of something that, you know, you had in mind or was it something that just occurred? It just occurred. And I don't think I really started doing that until like eight months in, eight, eight or nine months into my business. Okay. Um, I did it on LinkedIn first. Um, cause I kept my Instagram very proper, very professional. When I signed off on emails, I would put team Brodo and I would pretend to be bigger than I was. And I kind of realized like that's, it's losing like the personal touch and like, the, I guess the connection between me and my customers. Um, and I think transparency is really key, like, especially at the stage I'm at. Um, and I don't know, it's something that I like when brands add personal touches, like midday squares, for example, like mm. they, they also handwrite notes and they're they're so um, like the relationship they have with their customers is so awesome and so strong. And I think that's one really great thing that smaller businesses have over corporations is mm -hmm. that like personable touch, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, man, like eight months into my business, I started using LinkedIn and I just remember going on there and scrolling and scrolling and seeing all of these incredible things happening to people. And people were fundraising millions of dollars and closing this account, closing that account. And I like literally my world was just crashing down on me and everything was going wrong and I couldn't figure things out. And I'm a solo founder. So it can be really lonely and isolating when mm -hmm. you don't have a community around you. Mm -hmm. So I started talking to different founders and then I started hearing about all of like the stuff that they deal with that they don't talk about, like all the hardships and the shit that, uh, you know, goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what, like there's probably a ton of people out there like me who are discouraged and think that their um, circumstance is unique and it doesn't happen to other people. But in reality, like we all deal with it. There's all peaks, there's all valleys, like we all go through it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just started posting all of it, um, like the highs, lows, videos of me crying, whatever. If it can help one person, like that's my goal is to just be transparent and show all of it. Mm -hmm. And I think it resonates with a lot of people because it's something that um, not a lot of people like to show. So you're 100% right. Like, I think my parents were small business owners. And uh, when I was growing up, growing up, I grew up in that business from, from sort of the age of 12 to 18 when I moved out of home. And you're absolutely right. Like not only are there peaks and troughs throughout the course of a day or a week, you know, it's a mental roller coaster. So when you're faced with sort of the challenges of the everyday and you don't necessarily have anyone that you're working with and you've got to do it on your own, who do you look to? Like you said, you've got your online community, but do you actually have a mentor or a team that you are in like closer contact with? Yeah, I'm really lucky now. Like, um, like Mike Fata is one of my mentors mm. and he's so awesome. And if I'm kind of going through something and I kind of need a good shake <laughs> yeah. or if I'm kind of being irrational, um, he's one person that I can count on to kind of, um, yeah, be logical or yeah, make kind of bring me down to earth when I'm kind of all over the place. So yeah. he's one person. Um, I have a couple other mentors and I've built like a really solid um, group of friends, like virtually who kind of are there for me if I really need it. Cause mm. that's one thing that I think if I could give a piece of advice to anyone who's like starting out, like you need to have people around you who have been through it or are going through it um, to help you because it's really hard doing it by yourself. And I kind of went through that for the longest time. And 
I could have moved along a lot quicker. Like it would have accelerated my business a lot quicker if I was around people who um, are in the same industry and like they get it and they've been through it. Yeah, hundred percent. And for anyone out there listening right now, and they're not sure who Mike Fetter is, he is um he was the founder of Manitoba Harvest, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And so he's had multiple exits. I follow him on LinkedIn as well. And the content that he puts out there is awesome. And he's also involved in uh, Soul Cuisine, who just actually um, listed on the stock exchange. So another exit, I'm not too sure of the capacity that he is with Soul Cuisine, whether he's an advisor or whether he sits on the board, I'm not too sure. But yeah, Mike's awesome. And um, and yeah, I've been following him for a while too. So was he somebody that you just reached out to on LinkedIn? And how does the sort of the working relationship um how is that conducted? Is it all online or are you guys like actually jumping on a Zoom call or how does that work? Yeah. So I think like when I first started getting on LinkedIn, um, yeah, we'd gotten in touch and then I just kind of had an intro call with him. And then, um, yeah, like I've been on Clubhouse and a bunch mm. of rooms with him and he's been super helpful and he just wants to give back to other founders, like in the natural health food space, which I think is so, so, so cool and refreshing. And, um, yeah, like if I ever need anything, I just shoot him a message and then he's on a call with me to help work through whatever issue I have going on. Damn, that's so valuable to have somebody yeah. with his amount of experience, you know, with in such close proximity. Um, and, you know, the other day, and you may be able to speak to it a little bit more, but the other day I saw him advertising sort of like a startup founder's toolbox that he's got available and it's free of charge. And so I'd recommend jumping on LinkedIn and checking that out because, knowing what I know about Mike and it's very limited and only from an outsider's perspective, looking in, Mike knows what he's talking about and he would definitely be somebody that, or if he's putting a resource out there, it would definitely be of high quality. Yeah. I highly recommend that I have that toolbox and it's, yeah, it has a ton of useful, valuable info in it. So definitely That's recommend awesome. checking it out. That's cool. So Let's talk a little bit more about Brodo. So the wheels are in motion. The business is ticking along. You've been in it for eight months and you start to sort of um, build out your network on LinkedIn. You specifically sought out LinkedIn because it was a B2B platform and you wanted to sort of find other founders and owners of businesses is my, like is how I'm interpreting it. What was your take and what was your strategy to get out there in front of your consumer? So more of a B2C sort of relationship. Yeah. So that like my main focus was on Instagram. I honestly didn't even look at TikTok and I didn't take TikTok seriously until mm -hmm. like two and a half months ago, three months ago. Mm. Um, so yeah, Instagram, I did put a lot, I didn't, honestly, I'm kind of willy nilly. I don't really, um, I didn't build out a strategy or anything in terms of my marketing. Like I've been pretty lucky with the amount of organic reach that I have. Mm. Um, I've spent probably less than $1,500 since launching on marketing, which is pretty crazy. That's insane. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I did like, again, at first, um, when I first launched my business, I was like, oh, well, I need to spend money on ads. So I would throw like a couple hundred dollars here and there on ads. And um, I would usually push the ones that did pretty well um, organically and then they would do well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just, yeah, I just kind of stopped doing that. And I was trying to think of other ways that I could, I guess, get my brand out there and create brand awareness. So um, I started sending product to like micro influencers. I did both. I did big influencers and small influencers and the small influencers um, seemed to care a lot more about my product and really went the extra mile. Like they would post multiple stories, sometimes even post. Mm. Um, I would literally just send them free product and, uh, yeah, that really helped building my following, doing giveaways with other brands, giveaways on my own page. Mm -hmm. Um, and then like, I, I met a friend here in Ottawa, um, like six months ago and 
she just launched a business and she hired a girl to make TikToks for her every day. And mm-hmm. this is the only, the only money that she spent on marketing is just for hiring this girl to make TikToks. And they grew their following to, I think they're at like 80,000 followers now. And she launched the business, I think like four months ago, three months ago. And she sold out her inventory, like in the first month, just from TikTok. And I saw that and I was like, damn, like I need to get on there. I need to mm-hmm. stop uses and I just need to be consistent. Um, Cause I think like as a founder, you, I think you get discouraged if you like, if you put in the work and you're putting content out there and it's not getting any engagement. And like, I even had one person comment, I spent so long making this TikTok and someone's like, damn, free likes, that's tough. And I was like, yeah, that is really tough. And it's <laughs> so like, I, I looked at that and I looked at her page and it took a very long time. Like you just have to be so consistent and post like a minimum of one, one time per day. Um, yep. So that's what I started doing. And yeah, this, this one night, I guess, um, I got home, I think it was at the kitchen and then I put together a TikTok, took me 10 seconds, maybe to do. Um, it was just like a, um, collaboration of videos of the dough being mixed in the mixer. And I went to bed and then the next morning I woke up and I like heard my Shopify going off, like the cha-ching noise. Like, yeah, I love that. And so I was cool. like, something's gotta be wrong here. So I, uh, I went on to Instagram and then I started, I had like all these followers, like a couple hundred from just like last night. And then I went to TikTok and this video had like 200,000 views and I was like, oh my gosh, it happened. It really, it really happened. And my inventory was selling out and I was panicking. So I had to like go to the kitchen that night with my friend. We were there till like 1130, just making product and then bring Mm -hmm. it home. And then, yeah, like I think I had almost 150 orders within that 24 hour time period. And I think that just made me realize like, you just have to be consistent and it just takes one video and it kind of snowballs from there. So Mm -hmm. from that moment, I was like, okay, I need to figure out where I'm going to be spending most of my time Um, because time is money when you're a founder and I have to wear all the hats. So um, I'm getting the most return from TikTok. So I'm going to try to put as much time and effort into that platform as possible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, since that, since that um, one viral post, which was like, I think three and a half months ago, um, I think I'm at just over 70,000 followers and over a million likes and just been posting every single day. And um, yeah, it's had a, a great, um, ROI, even though I haven't really paid <laughs> for, for anything on there. The return on your time investment. Yeah, exactly. That's incredible. And I mean, the talk right now is the organic reach that you can, um, you know, that you can procure, procure on TikTok far outweighs organic reach on any other platform. You know, it's really the two that you're focusing on LinkedIn and TikTok are the two big ones right now. Um, how have you found Instagram to perform for you? Is it similar sort of reach with the Instagram stories and uh, and uh, what's the other component called now? The roles, is it? The reels. reels. Yeah, yeah. How are you finding that? If you, Are you focusing on that at all as well? I hate to say it, but I think Instagram is dying out. Mm. Um, the only thing that Instagram has over TikTok is the ability to instantly shop through mm. Instagram. So you can <laughs> go to a shop's or a store's page and then automatically just like purchase through their yeah. page. Yeah. Um, TikTok, I see that TikTok is now going to start doing that. So um, they're, they're stealing it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Instagram, um, I would take the same TikTok or same video that I put on TikTok and post it on Instagram reels and it would get like no, no reach, a couple thousand views maybe and a couple mm-hmm. hundred likes. Whereas on TikTok, it would be like a couple hundred thousand views and like 30,000 likes. So yeah. it hasn't had as much reach 
Um, but in terms of like, I guess, interacting with customers, I think Instagram has been a lot better just because mm -hmm. like they message me um, and they post stories. And I still think it's important to devote time to, to each platform. Um, yeah. But the nice thing you can always yeah recycle your your TikToks and put them on Instagram Reels. Yeah, no, fantastic. That's great advice. I mean, it's important to know where your target audience are and where the sort of where the eyeballs are. And if you've developed that understanding really early on, and you're putting all of your time and energy into it, it makes total sense to keep on pushing in that direction, doesn't it? Yeah. Um. So, is everything you learned about TikTok? like self-taught or did you find any courses or were there sort of any training, you know, that you'd recommend to other food-based CPG businesses out there for people who are wanting to sort of leverage this, these sort of platforms? Um, I think I've learned a lot on my own, honestly, yeah. through a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm considering like maybe writing up like a, a beginner's, um, I guess, yeah, like a beginner's guide on how to use it and like the strategies that I've used to help yeah. build following um yeah. but yeah some things I, I go on clubhouse pretty regularly and i would sneak into some rooms and they would have some speakers talk about different strategies even mm -hmm. with like from the hashtags to the length of the video um mm -hmm. there's like all these different components that kind of um tie in together for you mm -hmm. to have or build a successful um i guess highly engaged tiktok account damn that's good advice yeah clubhouse is blowing up as well isn't it yeah yeah it is yeah. How do you find that as a, uh, a way to procure information? So I've never been on Clubhouse. So can you just speak a little bit about that for the listeners out there? So Clubhouse, yeah. So for those who don't know, it's basically like a live, um, almost like a podcast and there's speakers and there's listeners and you can join in the room and either listen or engage in the conversation. And um, you can find a lot of valuable rooms, but there's a lot of noise in there as well. Um, mm. And it be a waste of time but like for example um mike he has a room called uh i think natural products founders or founders helping founders and um every tuesday night he has a founder come on and he interviews them and then he can ask them questions and uh those really help me just because um listening to other founder stories and asking them questions about their previous experiences helped me helps me learn mm. um as i go through that and i learn kind of what not to do and what to do. Um, so those rooms are really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And then there's also pitching rooms. Like there are rooms in there you can go in, there's hundreds of people and you can pitch whether it's your product or service and there's um, buyers listening, there's investors listening and you can kind of go in with an ask mm. and uh, people in the room um, can connect with you offline. Yeah. So it's kind of like a podcast in some respects in that you're really getting an opportunity to hear straight from the horse's mouth you know, um, some really quality contents because, you know, that's a great thing about podcasts in general. Like I could have somebody like you on who's got all of this experience and the listeners are getting direct access to you. Like that's the value of a podcast, but clubhouse, it sounds like it's a little bit more interactive. So you can actually like ask questions in real time and get feedback in real time. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, another thing, um, gosh, in March, maybe I went into this room, uh, called baby shark tank and basically it's like a, a little pitching competition mm -hmm. and then they have judges that pull together money and i actually won a thousand bucks for oh, pitching cool. room, which was really cool damn and a thousand bucks right now would be handy i'd imagine yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure so uh where are you currently at with bro and what do you sort of see for over the next couple of years like how are you projecting the business to grow and where do you want to get it to 
So yeah, like right now, um, I'm going through a move and going through, um, I'm kind of like in death Valley. I'm still mm. currently operating on the business and making the product and selling the product and picking and packing orders. Um, but yeah, these next few months I found a co-packer and we're kind of just going through the R and D stage, mm-hmm. um, really getting a solid formula, taking that to the co-packer. And then, um, we're gonna hopefully launch late summer, early fall across Canada. Um, and then, yeah, just continue to grow the business for the next year or so. And then eventually I would love to explore the U S market. Damn. And that's huge as well. Like it's just a, you know, it's an endless pit of opportunity down there in the States, isn't it? Oh yeah. My eyes are so big, but I need to, I need to, yeah, walk before I run. Of course. Yeah. No, that's great advice. And having Mike, you know, in your back pocket as a resource, who's, you know, done all of that before is just invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Talk to us a little bit about your branding. So like I've been on your website and I've had a look around and you said that you built it all out yourself and, and, you know, you are, you consider yourself sort of your primary target audience at the same time. How did you sort of go about developing your brand and do you see an evolution in that in sometime in the near future as well? Or is that sort of how you see it? Like how it is, is how you see it. Yeah. So with the branding, um, I got my, like I, my first logo is just an embarrassment. I'm going to, I think I'm going to share it maybe yeah. in like or two. Um, yeah, there's like a, a Brodo evolution for sure. Awesome. Um, so I had my basic logo and then I remember going to Fiverr and I had this guy make it for like 50 bucks or something. And mm-hmm. I was like, cool, this is going to be my logo. Um, and yeah, so I, I did all of my, um, my, my labels for my, my packaging, all of that. Um, Cause again, like had to be super scrappy, didn't have a ton of money to invest into that or have like a graphic designer, even with my website. Um, so I think I, I kind of figured out the foundation of my branding and what I kind of want the vibe to be like, I want it to be fun, energetic, have attitude, um, be Mm -hmm. bright and fun. Right. Um, so yeah, now that I have some money, um, I actually invested, I have a brand development agency now and they're actually essentially giving my brand a facelift. Like they improved the logo. They're doing my packaging now Mm -hmm. and they're going to be doing like a a revamp of my website. And, um, yeah, I kind of get to see, um, the process of, uh, them making these changes and it looks so cool. And I'm so excited to, to launch the new and improved version of Brodo. Yeah. That kind of stuff's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So did you go to them with an idea of sort of what you wanted to achieve? So you sort of built out a bit of a, um, a, um, what would you call it? And I've, I'm, the word is losing. I've lost the word right now, but like a, sorry. A brand identity. Yeah. A brand identity. Like, did you have a Pinterest pet board together for them and saying like, this is sort of what I'm after. This is what I love right now. And this is what I've currently got. Help me out. Like, what was your approach in that respect? So we actually did like a pretty deep dive um, into, I guess, like market research. And they even interviewed some of my, um, I guess my regular customers. Oh, cool. them. Yeah. So they asked them what they liked about the brand, what they think could be improved. Um, yeah, just with, I guess every aspect of Brojo. Um, mm-hmm. and then they kind of gathered that, collected that, and then built off of that feedback. Yeah. Um, and then they also asked me like what other brands that I really love and smart suites was one of them. Like mm-hmm. I love their, their branding. It's so clean. It's so bright. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's memorable. It's something that you see in the store and you're like, Oh, I know that brand. Like yeah. it's, it's, more of a household name so I kind of wanted to follow um what smart suites is doing and Mm -hmm. uh yeah like because I'm kind of doing the same thing being a disruptor in a category right Mm -hmm. um so yeah and then they um they just built stuff out and then um made proposals and um 
showed me the new the new packaging and logo and everything and then I gave them some feedback and then they tweaked it and then um yeah, they're working on the finalized version of everything. So I should be seeing that soon, which is really exciting. That's awesome. So what's your approach to relaunching the brand out there? Are you sort of figuring out a bit of a um, strategy around that or are you just going to go live with it? So I'm going to start doing, I think, teasers and uh, sending out like little, um, yeah, I guess like hints and um, pictures and stuff like Mm -hmm. to my customers through like email campaigns and stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, really build it up. And um, again, like my goal has always been to be as transparent as I possibly can be with my customers. And even yeah. when I do my move, like when I'm moving from here to Toronto, I'm um, at the beginning of August, I'm, I'm going to have to just tell them like, hey, I'm moving. I'm sorry, you won't get your orders. Because like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm only one person and I'm, I will die if I try to do it all. Um, so yeah, just like being honest with them and telling them what's going on. And um, even now, like as I go through the R&D stage, like I'm kind of going to give them updates yeah, um, and let them know like what's going on. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to, I guess, tee everything up and launch it later this year. Because um, yeah, things are things are taking a lot longer than I anticipated. So um, yeah. yeah trying to figure out the timelines for that yeah that's really funny you can be like hey guys i submitted my time off request to my boss and yeah. i got approved <laughs> exactly i don't know it reminds me of a post that i saw up and it kind of went viral ages ago but there's a guy who's got a landscaping company down in the states and he took a photo of himself holding holding an award saying hey guys my boss because of all the hard work that i did or it was like actually hey check out one of our hardest working and loyal employees um, for all of the work that he's done over the last couple of months we're awarding him with like a fully paid golf weekend blah 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 it was really Really funny and yeah it was kind of like he's just a solo business owner and he sort of like took that tact it was really funny I love that yeah that's awesome yeah so you know I'm sure that you've had you know you're already talking about the mental roller coaster that you sort of can undertake or that's you know evident in being working in a small business I'm sure there's been not only a ton of wins but you've had a ton of losses or you know opportunities to sort of learn and grow what would be some memorable sort of um growing you know, things that occurred throughout the business that you've gone, I will never do that again. And it's something that, you know, I've learned from, do you have any sort of memorable sort of experiences like that? Many. Yeah. Um, man, I think a bunch of things, I think I'm very stubborn. Um, and again, like as a founder, when you're starting a business, you kind of do everything right. And I think the mistake that I made, the business was growing, but my team wasn't growing. Mm. And I, went from selling like, yeah, 18 jars a month to like a thousand jars a month. And I would go to the kitchen and I would work and work and I would do it by myself. And I, some days I would cry in the kitchen and some days the mixer would break and like things just like never go right. Um, and I think not hiring someone on sooner was definitely, um, causing me to burn out. So Mm -hmm. now I have someone, like I have a friend and he helps me like every time I need to go in the kitchen we make literally double the amount that I would have made by myself. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I just, I wish that I did sooner and I wish I wasn't so stubborn (laughs) and I had help. Um, yeah. Another thing, like not having a thick skin like that. I'm, I've, I am a sensitive person. I've gotten a lot better to kind of just let things like roll off my back now. Um, But when I didn't even have really a support system in place, and then I was having all of these things happen to me, like I had someone who was interested in my product, loved the brand, um, ended up trying it. And then he recommended I change a bunch of things and didn't understand the brand. And I think 
hearing that is really hard um, when someone doesn't really understand what you're doing. And then I kind of questioned um, if it was worth it. And I remember calling a friend like in tears and I was already having a bad day. And I was like, this person, they don't like what I'm doing. And um, yeah, she's like, look how far you've come. Like, come on, <laughs> like, what are you doing? This is one person's opinion. So yeah, I think, um, yeah, just like developing a thicker skin and understanding that people aren't going to understand what you're doing. They're not, there are people out there that'll support you, but there's also going to be people who don't support you mm -hmm. and they don't understand what you're doing. Um, mm -hmm. but no one knows your brand better than you do. No one knows your customers better than you do. Um, yeah. and I think that's something that people need to remember and you have to put on the blinders and really focus on where you're going and not let um, those people distract you. So hundred percent. That's great advice. And you know, in the social media world, it can get really toxic at times. Like I know Twitter is like a damn toxic place. Oh, I haven't God. been on Twitter for ages, but how do you find TikTok and how has your experience been? Oh my gosh. TikTok, TikTok has the nicest people and the meanest people. It's right. very polar. Um, it's really cute though. I had, um, there was a young girl there's, I think, the audience on TikTok is a lot younger than any other platform. Um, yeah. Like a 13 year old girl, she came across one of my viral posts and she got her mom to buy a product. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, her mom messaged me and she said, Oh, like, would you like to have a call with her? Like she really admires you and she wants to be a baker one day. And so I actually hopped on like a zoom call with this little girl. And um, she like talked about um, her being in school and like what she wants to do with her life. And I kind of told her about the business and I showed her like the freezers in my living room. And um, apparently that call just like made her life. Like she was so happy. Um, so I think that was just, that was the coolest thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I've actually started mentoring people that have found me on TikTok and I'm yep. trying to help them grow their business. So um, yeah, like everyone is super supportive there. There are a couple that are um, not so nice and I've mm -hmm. had some some nasty comments but again like the more reach you get the more or the bigger your following follower count gets um the more likely you're gonna have those people come and go right but yeah. again you gotta let it roll off your back and uh yeah the, the the supporters outweigh the ones that don't for sure yeah it sort of comes with the territory doesn't it you got to kind of expect it absolutely yeah damn awesome well listen i've learned so much from you and i know that everybody out there has as well and thank you so much for giving us a little bit of insight into sort of the success that you've seen with tiktok and linkedin and how you've built that out organically and and also the value that it's brought to your business as well um if you had any one last piece of advice for anybody out there that's looking to get started i mean you've already discussed sort of like the the value of having a network around you and leveraging the strength of the people in your network to help you with your business and help you sort of fill out the areas where you sort of see yourself as you know where your weakness are and turn them into strengths and then you have also discussed you know how important the frequency of posting is as well any last words of advice that you'd like to give yeah like the my favorite thing or favorite thing ever is uh done is better than perfect like i think a lot of people are scared to get started because they think they need to have the perfect website the perfect branding the perfect mm -hmm. packaging all of that um but your brand can evolve. What you launch with isn't going to be the end product. Um, and as you get more money and you're, you're selling more, you have more volume, you can start reinvesting that money and making everything look a little nicer. So just get to market, get it out there. Um, and then, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna make mistakes along the way. Um, but yeah, just get started.
Awesome advice. Thank you so much. For everybody out there, I recommend that you go to brodo.ca. It's B-R-O-D-O-U-G-H.ca and check out Erica's website. And uh, and I definitely recommend trying some product out there. I haven't tried any yet, but I'm going to place an order uh, soon. And uh, one night when the kids are down, well, I'll have some with some ice cream <laughs> with my wife. Um, yeah. How else would you like people to get in touch? Yeah, so you can follow me um, on TikTok or Instagram, Brodo Canada, and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Erica Rankin, and my email is erica at brodo.ca if you want to email me. Awesome, Erica. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Ciao. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to know more about what I can do to help you achieve your packaging vision, you can reach me directly at Hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You could DM me on Instagram at thepackheavypodcast or we could also connect on LinkedIn and start a conversation there. I'll see you next week.